0: That you can't see me. Master, waiting to help when I'm Shed on Calvary You're so faithful To life eternal radio, for your encouraging and uplifting messages throughout your day. Give
1: me ring. nothing. Give me ring. nothing. I mean, this guy had such great faith that God would hear him. That he persisted for seven times. For seven times. He knew that God would reward diligence. Now the question is, how diligent are we in the pursuit of God? Because the Bible says diligently seek Him. Not those who seek Him, but diligently seek Him. Like people who will not be denied. Faith is revealed in our passion of pursuit. Whether we believe or not, will be revealed by how much we have the one I called stick to that I know, that I know, that I know. I know. Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29, I know you know verse 11, which is a very good verse. It says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. But I want us to look at verse 12. It's the most popular verse. Actually, I want you to uh, see that there is a promise of, I know the thoughts I have towards you. They are for good and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Meaning, there is a promise. Then he says, that's a promise, yes. But then, there is your responsibility. Since verse 12, then you will call upon me, based on the promise, you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. How will you do that? And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. Remember some
2: time back, mm-hmm. oh, probably too. Why do we seek God? Why does God hide? Yeah. You remember that before? Why does God hide? Because of faith. Does God really hide? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking, I don't think he hides. <laughs> Sometimes he does. He does? Yeah. we so can be diligently seek.
1: Because uh whatever is free, we don't put value on it. What I tend to think is
2: God does not. It's like you want to build a boat of Legos, so you ask me you want to build a boat of Legos. I go buy you a whole box of Legos. Since you want to build a boat of Legos, you're going to search that box until you find every piece. If you give up searching for for every piece, then you won't have your boat. So I think God has already revealed himself. And since uh, he is unsearchable, you can never really reach the end of him. You just have to diligently search his heart. And every truth we come by reveals another truth. Mm-hmm. And every truth we come by we reveals another one.
1: And, uh, I, and actually, you see that. The says it is a, uh, he's the owner of God, I think, to hide a man. Mm-hmm. And the owner of kings to search it out, mm-hmm. something. Something of that, so you say it once again. Continue with your thought until I decide that. Mm-hmm. So I believe the what we call hiding mm-hmm. is really
2: not hiding. Mm-hmm. If I wanna know you, I have to spend time with you. The more time I spend with you, the more you reveal yourself to me. Mm-hmm. But if I don't diligently seek to spend time with you, mm-hmm. then I will not know you, I'll just know you as Jago.
1: Yeah, it's Proverbs 25 2. I think it really supports what the is saying. Proverbs 25 2. It is the honor, it is the glory. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Proverbs
2: 23.
1: Hmm? 25. Twenty-five two. The glory of God to consume. The glory of kings to search after the matter. But there is also a place where it says, "You are the God who hides Himself," because then our pursuit of Him is our revelation of faith. It reviews our faith. Do you find that Proverbs twenty-five two? Mm-hmm. Okay. Go to Romans 12. Hmm? Romans 12. Romans 12. <laughs> Romans 12 verse 11. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in the prayer. A question I always ask myself is, can I say that I have been diligent in seeking the Lord? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. How do I know I have faith? You see, I want to go and raise the dead by faith. But actually, faith does not happen when I'm raising the dead. Faith happens when I know that he is, and I diligently seek him. So we want to move mountains, but faith is not when I move mountains. Faith was built when I was seeking Him diligently. And the reason for diligence is because it is going to cost you. It will cost you. It will cost you time. It will cost you sleep. It will cost you food. It will cost you. Most of the time, our cost is in ministry. But actually, the greatest cost should be in seeking Him. Because nobody ever said preach diligently. It is seeking diligently. You shall seek me and find me when you seek me with all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, who can define the end of diligence? I don't know. I guess everybody's <laughs> like, you know, I have truly sought the Lord. And you know, there are people who tell me, who tell, man, I have really sought the Lord. Mm-hmm. I know I have sought the Lord. And I feel so jealous <laughs> because this is actually our one challenge that we become seekers of God. Jesus would preach, would he teach, he would rather sleep during the day, but at night he was seeking God. He would rather preach sleep in the boat. But at night his ministry was seeking God. And there is no power anywhere else. There is no victory anywhere else but is in actually seeking the Lord. It is in prayer power is secured. It's easy to read the Bible. It's easy to hear go and pray for the sick and feed the poor and preach the word. But seeking the Lord especially because you're just by yourself and nobody is applauding you it's very demanding and taxing and boring. But there is no other way to actually carry out our assignment but by those two knowing that he is and knowing that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him so james 5 so we are james 5 16 confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed the effective the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much the effective fervent I don't know uh, how many of my prayers can be described as fervent. But it says it is a fervent prayer that avails much. So it talks about Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. See, this is the part that we don't know. Because we think Elijah just said, let there not be rain. But actually we realize he actually prayed earnestly. He declares it, and then he prays that through. And then he prayed honestly that it would not rain, it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. And this is something I know, but our private prayer life must be mightier than our public ministry life. This has always been my desire, that we be mightier, in in secret because sometimes our preaching is more fervent than our prayers sometimes our singing is more fervent actually let me not say sometimes times, we are more fervent in public than we are in in the closet but actually our prayer life is what uh, defines Our public life. You work less when you have prayed more. And so, the picture I have in my mind is if you walked in on Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane, and there he is praying until his capillaries rupture, and blood mixes with sweat, and it starts dripping down. And then you look at the disciples right there, just sleeping. If you are there, you would think, and these guys have so many problems, I don't know how he's going to survive. The disciples got it. These are the people at rest. <laughs> these are the Christians, they know their identity in God. They got it. But then several hours later, when the storm hits, then you actually know who is at rest, and who is not. Because they are star. And Jesus is left standing. And there is a thing, what we see in public, the victory was actually secured in the in the private. And Jesus tells them, why don't you guys pray that you don't enter into temptations?" These guys, we have been in ministry the whole day. What are you talking about? God will understand. And I think hmm? the majority of us... Martin Luther, he said, I pray three hours every day unless I have a really busy day. And this is the thing. Jesus says don't use many words. Jesus says don't pray with many words. But when Jesus is praying, he prays the same thing. Remove this cup away from me. For a long time, because it was, he, he went looking for the disciples. I think after two hours, then another two hours. So at least for six hours, Jesus is praying one thing. If it will be your will. Remove this cup. Over and over, and over again. Be clear, be precise, be concise, be brief, be to the point. But once you know what you need, keep asking, keep knocking. Because I think that's our problem. Because when he talks about, uh, I think Luke 18, when he says, and this is, he gives this parable that men ought to pray without fainting. He talks about the woman who goes to the church every morning With the same thing. Imagine if the woman had thought, well, I'm boring this guy. Maybe I should give him another story. But the woman says, avenge me. Avenge me from my enemies. Every morning, avenge me from my enemies. But I think the idea is we have to flower our prayers. We have to add some things. We are boring God. He already heard it yesterday. But the thing is, if I actually believe, I am going to insist on that. Until it happened, because I don't think Elijah had many prayers. Just give me rain, Just give me rain. And I think the idea of prayers being so many words, like trying to cover the same thing. Once we realize that Jesus prayed, remove this cup six hours, then you actually understand that I'm still here, I needed it. Then that persistence actually reveals that you believe that He is and that he will reward those who are diligent. Diligent is the stick-to-weightedness, that this I must you know, have, I cannot well. be denied. And I think the, the, the problem we ask ourselves, what well, will I be saying in three hours? It's because we are not really actually set on what we want. But if you actually took something he said, and we kept at it. We kept, I need to see this. Next week, I don't have anywhere I'm going. I'm not changing my prayer. I will only move from this prayer when I actually see it.
2: There you go, you're hammering, you're, you're explaining how God, You it is your word, you say it, it's going to happen and so on.
1: Because you did not pray in private. Yes. You're trying to convince yourself yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to <laughs> quote all the verses there. <laughs> Yeah. But actually, if you went and said, God, you said that we shall heal the sick and raise the dead. I want this in my life. I want this in my life. Whether it takes one year or three years, that is one thing that I must have. Then when you are clothed with that, you can move on to the next one, which is getting... My... What if
3: they're all going on at the, all at the same time? I mean, honestly, how do you... If you've decided what you want right? and you feel like mm, it's the will of God to have a certain something, it's just a fact that there's still other things going on in your life, your family's life, your friends' life, yeah. that also call for prayer. Your friends are like, oh, pray for me this and this, oh, pray for me this and this.
1: If you not,
3: do you just focus on one and leave the others? I think... You really think so? I think. Because most of
1: the time, in prayer, we actually get power to deal with the others. Because of being with God so much, whenever you see a sick person, you no longer need to pray for them, you actually release the word. Because you're already clothed with so much power, being with God, most of these things are small mountains. So when Elijah comes down, he actually can outrun horses. He did not pray for strength to outrun horses. He was clothed with the power when he was seeking God. I don't know if that makes sense. And so once you have spent enough time, because the Bible says, will he not give to the Holy Will he not give the Holy Spirit? When in Luke 18, Luke we can look at it. So he is talking about being avenged. But actually the answer does not come in terms of what you are seeking. It comes in terms of the Holy Spirit. And so he says, Luke 18, um, he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And then he talks about the widow who goes every day seeking the same thing over and over again. But uh, then he says, I tell you that he will avenge speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith? When the Son of Man will he find faith? Luke 11 verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What he is saying, the ultimate answer for prayer is actually the Holy Spirit. In our pursuit for God, in our seeking for one thing, He actually gives us the Holy Spirit the power to do others. Because He's talking about ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. So if I am pursuing this one thing, if I'm pursuing God, I need the power to heal. The power to heal is actually found in the Holy Spirit. All these things are found by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And so he gives us the Holy Spirit, who has the power to actually do all these things. And so, really, the greatest gift, the greatest answer to all prayer, is being filled with the Holy Spirit to do what it is that uh, we set out to do. Even if it's not what you're praying for. Even if I'm praying for someone for their healing. Even if I'm praying for healing for someone. The greatest gift that can come out of there is actually to receive the Holy Spirit, not just for that person's healing, but for every single person I actually encounter in my life. Because as a son, we are not supposed to uh, walk according to need. We are actually supposed to walk according to solutions we provide to the world. And so in prayer, our understanding is enlarged. I don't know if you're ever going to pray for something, then... Your understanding is enlarged and you begin for praying for something bigger than what you went to pray for because the Holy Spirit begin to and, uh, and, and make your heart understand the issue as it is in heaven so you can pray for it accordingly and so really when he when he leaves them they are afraid they, when he leaves the disciples they are afraid they are doubtful they're almost being killed He could have prayed for them to be covered from the Jews. He could have prayed for their protection. He could have prayed for their courage. He could have prayed for so many things that they may heal the sick and preach the gospel. But He tells them, wait for the Holy Spirit. Because when He comes, He will give you wisdom. He will protect you. He will show you how to pray. He will teach you all these things. And so the Holy Spirit is actually the great answer to a heart that actually pursues God. Mm.
3: So, even if whatever you're asking for is not in God's will, it's, it's not in you feel like you desire something and say it's not the will of God for you to have it at a particular time or have it at all. And you're over here like day after day praying for you, so you're saying if it's not the will of God and it's not good for you, he's not going to let you to continue to waste your time to keep asking for that thing. He will expand, he will and reveal to you that that's not
1: He it. will expand your understanding. Ex-
3: okay. So there's no way that you will be there day after day asking for something that is not in his will and he allow you to continue to... I guess travail in prayer about that
1: thing. I mean, Jesus travailed... For him not to go to the cross, he travelled, not to go to the cross,
2: but he clearly knew.
1: But actually, the Bible says when he was finished, mm-hmm. angels came and strengthened him. And so he does not leave the, uh, the the garden empty-handed. He gets strength to actually go through it.
3: So that was God's answer to his prayer.
1: Yeah, to his prayer. So God will always answer especially people who are diligent because there is something about people who believe God so much that even when it's wrong and they don't get it or they are praying for the wrong thing that they believe him so much they would rather be wrong about what they are believing than be wrong about believing him. I don't know if that did I confuse you? Okay Mm -hmm. so God honors faith so much that you'd rather be persistent about the wrong thing but at least you believed him enough to be persistent
3: so what does that get
2: you
1: it gets you understanding okay and i think it opens up your
2: mind you know your, i think something called enlightenment the understanding or the enlightenment yeah that now you understand your 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 positioning what you're praying for and your relationship with what you're praying for. Because I believe, uh, and this was the other thing that I wanted to either mention or ask a question or it was just a thought. Um, What constitutes prayer? Is it the temporal stuff or is it the eternal stuff? For instance, if you're sick, I pray for your healing. Will you consider that a temporal thing? or should I pray for the eternal perspective of that healing?
1: Okay. Every answer to prayer, every answer to prayer is supposed to lead someone to the person who answered. Every testimony, every miracle is an invitation for the pursuit of the one who did the miracle. there's there's always a door open by every answer, by every miracle. And so even as we are healing people, we are telling them, look, there is one who is called your healer. And you can find him by believing him. And so even though you are using the temporal thing, because Jesus uses bread, and then he asked the disciples, did you not understand what I was doing? By my giving you bread, I was telling you, This is how your mindset about provision now should look like. Because they come and they say, oh, he's mad because we didn't bring him bread. And he tells them, I used to hard of heart. The reason I gave you bread and I fed the 5,000 and the 4,000 was for your revelation. And so everything God does in our lives is actually for revelation. There is a revelation in every encounter with God, whether he is just a... Helping you find your keys, or he is healing you of cancer. There is a relation of the heart of God and how he operates. So when you are talking about healing, in healing the person, that remains as a door. Because Jesus says the miracles that were done here. If they had done, been done in Sodom, they would have repented. What is he saying? The miracles, they were your sign that there is God that that is actually the word of judgment against you that you did not repent and so when james says you ask and you do not receive because you ask to consume it on your own desires you ask wrongly then he says ask for wisdom so above all when we receive the holy spirit now we understand how we should ask Now. That, he was teaching about asking the Holy Spirit before the Holy Spirit had actually come. Now we have the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit actually informs our prayer life. We know what we ought to pray because we have the Holy Spirit. But the point is to seek. To seek. So
3: you're saying that if you stay long enough, or you... Very diligently enough. Yeah. There is no possible. okay. To oh. me it seems
1: prayer as- changes you more than it changes the circumstances.
3: Because okay. the
1: idea of God is to change you so you can change the circumstance.
3: So you would would you say mm. that the reason in many cases let me speak for my for my life what I've seen <clears throat> from my own life and the, and some people around me, my parents, whatever and there has been so many times where there is a pressing like something happening or, or something is really wanted and we pray we pray, we pray and nothing seems to happen, would you Would you say that, and then we all kind of just leave it and inside you're somewhat disappointed or hurt or you feel like it just left you with no closure, no resolve. So you just move on with life in that state. So you move on to the next thing, next time you want to pray about something, you're somehow carrying that in the back of your mind. Where there's a thing you prayed, you think you prayed for, it never happened, and you never felt like you had any closure or resolve with it. So what you're saying is, if you're diligent enough, even if the situation doesn't change, you're not going to leave it empty-handed. You're not going to be left with that yeah. unresolved feeling. Mm-hmm. Is what you're saying?
2: Yes. But I, I also believe that before that thing happens, you should be already in a state of diligently seeking God.
3: Right, so that's what I'm saying. If you're in a state of seeking diligently seeking God, wow. right, thing doesn't change and it remains the same. Actually, it just goes totally horrible. And you are diligently seeking God. Basically, how do is it is this is that the only, the way you avoid that disappointment? God is the reward.
1: God is the reward.
3: God is the reward. Is it a
1: reward?
4: Is the reward,
1: yeah. Everyone. And so, what he is saying, mm-hmm. instead of praying when we have needs, you pray. what if we begin seeking him before, as a discipline? Before,
2: before the
1: need, I he like becomes says, the the pursuit, not as a way to solve our issues. Okay. So that when the issue arises, mm-hmm. we are already on speaking terms. I am not coming to say, oh, um, <laughs> I know you've not talked too much this year. <laughs>
4: but But I kind of got a
1: thing going. Uh And that's the thing because Moses actually tells God, could you please reconsider me not going to Canaan? I would really want to go to Canaan. God becomes mad and says no, but I will show you. And in showing you, you will prophesy over them. I know what I've said. But Moses was on such good terms that he had gotten used to changing God's mind. He knows what God has said, but he has done it enough to actually change God's mind. And the Bible says, and God was angry with him. And God allows Moses to come and actually bless them with Deuteronomy. He blesses them and he tells them of days to come. To the point, Moses actually is entrusted with the whole future generations. Of Israel. So he is changed. And even though his prayer of seeing Canaan does not come to fruition, it is actually his legacy that connects even him. Because it is at that point that God tells him, I will bring them a prophet like you who will become a savior. Moses is connected to Jesus because of his prayer on that mountain that was not answered. And so God repays, answers the prayer in eternal things, even though he did not give him the temporal things. And in that, uh, Moses is able to come and himself prophesy to Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration. And so, the more we seek God, because we begin by saying, um, we understand that what is sin was made out of what is not sin. And so people who are seeking God are people who are becoming increasingly aware of the invisible so they can affect the visible. But they begin valuing the invisible so much that even though it doesn't happen in the visible, that does not shake their faith. But what shakes our faith? Because we really don't know the invisible. So when it doesn't happen, we don't know what else to fall on. That's all we have. If someone is not healed, that's all we have.
3: <clears throat> yeah, but and then it becomes like a domino effect, carrying next it study. over for the next time, and then the next time, and it just builds up before you know it. Pray yeah. for yeah. me. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in name name.
1: In First of all, I don't want to embarrass God. Right. And I don't want to embarrass myself. Exactly. So this is me praying for the sick. If God is your will,
3: right. heal them. And it because doesn't happen. You say, well, it's not
1: God's will. Yeah, I've already set myself out there and been embarrassed.
3: Right.
1: And because I don't want to backslide, right. I find a way to explain this. But then, they understand that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who seek him. See, the thing is, God tells Elijah he's going to rain. Elijah tells the king he's going to rain. At that point, most of us would have left church and passed by yukis and eaten and gone home. The man of God has said it. The Bible says a king went to eat and drink. Elijah went up the mountain. God is not someone who has made a declaration, according to us. Because once I say you are healed, you should be healed. But Elijah goes and prays and then he says, go check. Nothing. Then he prays Go check. Six times nothing. Absolutely nothing. At this point, most of us would say maybe it was spiritual rain. Yeah, totally. <laughs> maybe it was spiritual rain. God is going to pour a revival upon this place. Oh, it's your face now.
2: The, when I say the order was gonna rain, I meant the blessings that will come. Come your way. Oh, open the gates of heaven, and you will just be seeing things working for you, left, right, and center. Yeah, that oh. is the rain.
1: Or oh, you rain. guys, <laughs> or you guys do not believe it enough.
3: Yeah. For it to
1: happen. Yeah. But Elijah is so adamant that God has to do it. But
3: you wonder why I wonder why though, because if he said he would do it, why do you need
1: to go back and that, hold on. But who
2: said about
1: it? Who said it's gonna
2: rain? Is it God or is it Elijah? It's
1: actually God who tells Elijah and Elijah proclaims it. Because what he says, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. So in the spiritual realm, there was a confirmation that rain was coming. He will do it's it. It's going to happen
3: and he's going to do it.
1: And that's the wrong thing. That's the wrong really? thinking. Yes. That's the wrong thinking. Psalms 108 says that the heavens belong to God. The earth he has given to the uh, sons of men. In fact, there's a place in Isaiah 45 where he comes to destroy the world. And the Bible says, and he wondered, there was no intercessor to stop him. He comes to destroy and his thing is, wait, is there nobody going to stop me from this? Yes.
2: We have that's
1: how much power there is on earth so, with men. That men, in fact, the Bible says that the traditions of really men have made the word of God of none effect. We actually made God important. He will not invade your marriage. He will not invade your family. He will not invade this church until we ask him to.
3: I get that part.
1: But even what he says...
3: Yeah, that's the part that's tripping me up because... Even I what he
1: says he is not going to happen. I think,
3: Until, well, and I I think that's I where... The commission is just saying, yes, I didn't realize it was like... It's labor. I have to go labor for it.
1: Yes. Yeah, and I think that's so where it, now... So
3: it tell me that...
1: To work with him. To
3: work with him? Yeah.
1: but So I this principle of prayer has been lost on many
3: totally it's been lost
1: on me because we believe that god has said it
3: it'll just happen
1: sit back and i think and let him do it
2: that's where the element of faith comes in because god has already spoken it in the invisible right but now we have a duty to Mm -hmm. call the invisible to visible if we do not call it to come into existence then it's gonna stay there it's not gonna happen and we're gonna stay here saying God said he'll do it, so he'll do it. Can you
1: imagine Abraham, God saying, I'm going to destroy Sodom. Then Abraham telling him, what if there's 50? God sits there and waits for Abraham to convince him. Out of his word. He sits there and waits for the prayer of Abraham. So, prayer. That's how desperately important prayer is. There's really no... And we're talking about Jeremiah 29, 11. I don't know if you're here. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, for good, not for evil to give you a future and a hope. I know. But do you know? That's why he says, verse 12. And you shall seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart.
3: I just don't think that applied to the stuff he said. It applies to the stuff he said. Yeah. I mean, now I see that. So what about the stuff he does without asking? Because you know this stuff that surprises you and you're like, oh man, that was totally God.
1: And
3: I mean So uh maybe someone else?
1: Corinthians. Like, Hell oh, yeah. <laughs> Corinthians says this that, that all creepy. the promises of God are yes and amen. <clears throat> they are yes in Christ. Mm-hmm. The Amen is said in us.
3: I thought that was just Amen.
1: No, <laughs> Someone died for them To be yes Someone has to die for them To be amen And
3: that amen is a long life
1: It's a death It's excruciating amen. amen It's not just amen I
3: thought that that only applied To stuff that we come
1: So the most astonishing thing When we get to heaven It shall be how much Was available to us through prayer And how much we did how, how, how much less we did, and how much we complained, yes. that God was not moving, was not working, and yet the answer was always, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing is not uh, an opinion. It's a command. Pray without ceasing. That's a command. It does not say preach without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And so if you know that these promises are true, then you begin labor. You work hard.
2: And I guess now that's where it connects us to that Hebrews 76. Yeah. It's not that he is.
1: That he is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There is a diligence to the seeking. That's how faith is revealed. Don't tell me you have faith because you came to church and you want to make some declaration, Your faith is revealed by your diligence in the prayer. So what is lacking today? What is lacking today? It's not the understanding of the Bible. We have enough of that. It's not people who can serve. We have enough of that. It's actually people who can pray. Because only people who pray
4: Do you
5: feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? the glory of